Please open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, the verses will be on the screen as well. So Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 1. Let's read together. Unity in the body of Christ. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope which, brings, which belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, to, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the Head, into Christ, from whom the body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thanks Shane and thanks Mick for the prayer as well. Um, I'm sorry about that mix up about, but as we were saying in here that Mick was going to throw back to me but we felt that probably Shane was better looking for a start anyway. We're, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, the church in the next three weeks and um, you know just on the back of partnership and, and over the next couple of weeks we have a, a few people becoming partners <clears throat> of One Hope and so we wanted to uh, talk a little, bit, uh, a little bit about church and about what it means to become a partner of the church but also um, yeah, what happens when you partner with the body of Christ and um, yeah, so for these three weeks we have the privilege of seeing these new people become partners and it, it really is a privilege. It's, you know, just even listening to Martin and Daniel this morning, it really is a privilege um, and we are genuinely thankful for every person, every couple, every family that God calls to be part of our community. I often talk about this too um, when we do Welcome to One Hope or when we talk, uh, I've spoken to her about, uh, about this to a number of people. But the difference between membership and partnership, why do we at One Hope call it partnership? And I was thinking about that a little bit more this past week. And I'm thinking, you know, when I'm a member, I think of Costco. How many of you go to Costco? You know, when I'm a member at Costco, I pay my membership dues. And then I get to shop in this huge warehouse where everything is, 
Um, 14 times larger than what you can get in Woolworths, um, probably from the US. Um, and it means that I can, I can enjoy the benefits of what they have to give me. That I have rights now to go into their store and buy the things um, that they have to offer me. Um, if I become a member of a library, I become a member of a library so that I can go to that library and I can use their books. I can take from them what they have to give me. And, you know, recently or a year or two ago, I was considering becoming a member of the BMW Motorcycle Club. Because when you become a member of the BMW Motorcycle Club, you can go on the rides that they organise. And they organise these magnificent rides, which are always on a weekend, so it didn't work for me. But they organise these magnificent rides, you get articles, you get advice on, on your BMW motorcycle and all those sorts of things. So I could pay and become a member of those things. And all of those things I become a member to exclusively enjoy the benefits, don't I? You know, it's not my concern if Costco um, isn't selling enough this month. It's not my concern if some of the staff in Costco have sick kids at home. It's not my concern if the library um, can't get the latest books or if they're, they're chasing down so many people that haven't handed back books yet. It's not my concern if the BMW Club um, can't do a ride on the weekend because it's raining or because something else happened. I don't really, I'm not really concerned if things are going well or not well. If they're issues, they're not my concern. It's not my concern to dream along and to plan with them to see how big the library can get or how many more Costco stores we can get because I've paid my $60 annual membership. But then if I'm a partner, it's really different. I have a friend in business and he's in, he's in a partnership with his brother. And when things go well in that partnership, um, they enjoy it. Uh, things going well, they're, they're manufacturing well, they're selling well, they're ex exporting well, whatever they're doing, um, it goes well. But when it doesn't go well, recently, last year and a half with COVID, when there are issues with some of their staff, uh, when sales aren't high, when, when things aren't good, both of them are concerned about that because they're not members, they're partners. It matters if things are not going well. They end up paying a price. Uh, they work they have to work and put in extra effort to make sure that the, the business continues. They have to each carry the load because they're partners, they're not members. The success or failure rests on them as partners. Um, marriage. Sue and I are partners in marriage. Now, I don't want to make it overly practical and, and obviously there's a huge emotional part and a spiritual part of that as well. But in our partnership of marriage, if it goes well, if we have great holidays and recently we had some time away, if we have fun, we enjoy the kids and the grandkids, if there are special moments, that's great. We're partners in that together. But marriage is also hard, isn't it? Um, those of us that are married know that it's not always easy. And, and as a partner in that relationship, I need to take and carry the load, carry my shield. I need to take responsibility. And I do what's necessary to make sure that this partnership goes well. As a member, I enjoy the benefits. As a partner, I have skin in the game. And partnership needs a relationship. And that's what makes it work. You see, as a member, I don't need to have a relationship with anybody at Costco. I don't need to have a relationship with the CEO and make sure that I like him before I become a, a member. Or with the motorcycle club or whatever. But as a partner, I need to have a relationship with someone I'm going to be in business with. Or definitely with my wife or I'm going to partner in marriage with. And that's what makes partnership different to membership.
And I believe when we look at the Bible and the call for us, all of us, you watching and, and us in this room, is the call for us to be active in the body of Christ. I believe that in the Bible, partnership better or best reflects the feel or the sense what God calls us to. That God, through Jesus, establishes a relationship with us. He does that first, and he calls us into an active and dynamic partnership into the local expression of his church. And with that comes all the joys and privileges like I have at Costco or, or wherever. I, I, we get to enjoy, you know, right now we're enjoying the, the privileges of some people that are techno technologically skilled in order to do this, if you've seen the work up here. Just like any paid up member would enjoy the privileges. But we also enjoy, the, we also have the responsibility and the need to take our place, to carry the call, to be part of the community success or not, like a partner. And maybe another analogy that helps, in the Bible, Jesus and Paul also often spoke of a contrast between sons and servants. A servant doesn't know and isn't concerned with his father's business. A son is. A servant's only concerned with what's necessary to... He needs to do what's necessary to receive his pay, to receive his food, and to receive his place in the family. A son receives those things too. But he's concerned with the overall success and the overall survival of the family. Yet in all of these analogies and, and examples that I'm using, there's a critical difference when it comes to partnering with God's family. There's a big difference between me partnering or membership of Costco or partnering with my, with my wife or in business... Unlike a business or a club, we didn't have to pay fees or contribute capital. We were admitted, before we were admitted, God did this. He paid our way in. So even today for Martin and Daniel and for those of us that have been around a long time, the fact that we can partner with the body of Christ, we didn't have to do anything for that. God paid what was necessary. He established that relationship with him first and then called us to establish a relationship with the community. This gave us the invitation to partner with him in perhaps the biggest business or the biggest enterprise in history, the kingdom coming on earth. It's an invitation, but it's also a call. But you know, the body of Christ is big, isn't it? It's worldwide. It's generations old. It's cross-cultural. It's multicultural. It's growing. How does one person find or, or know their place in a movement of millions. Whilst we're part of that big movement and God calls us to that, called the body of Christ, God by design gives us a local, smaller expression to partner with. And the local church is God's design. That's really important to know or believe. That the local church isn't just a, a convenient setup of people that have, have managed to geographically find a spot that's not too far to travel to, that has the same people as those. I believe, we believe that the local church is God's design to build the kingdom here on earth. And it is God's design that we find a place where we can see, uh, where we can put our shoulder to the wheel, uh, we can use our unique gifts, but it's also a place that relationship continues to grow. And where we get to see how we can give and where we can give. How we can contribute to the expansion of of this thing called the body of Christ. So, you know, Martin and Daniel, as you become partners in One Hope, and those of us have been partners for a long time, 
It's an opportunity to see where you can play your part in the expansion of the body of Christ. It's not about just, just coming to one hope and, 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 you know, and, and hoping we can be a holy huddle forever. We're looking for the kingdom to grow. So when we talk about the body of Christ, for the next three weeks, I want to focus really practically, they're going to be really practical messages on three things. And those three things are that the body of Christ, that, that, that community that we're called to, is a place of growing, it's a place of giving, and it's a place of going. When we partner with the church, um, whether you're new or whether you partnered a long time ago in One Hope and you can't even remember when you did your partnership, when we commit to it, we're committing to growing and we're committing to giving and we're committing to going. So today we're going to talk about growing and then in the next couple of weeks we'll do the next two. Whether you're new to the faith, um, to the church, or new to this church, or you've been here for ages, growing is this perpetual command. It's not just when the new people come in. Growing is a perpetual command and it's a perpetual privilege that we have to grow. Think of that. It's not just a command to grow. It's not even just an invitation to grow. I believe growing in the community in a local expression is actually a privilege. It's two ways. You, you receive from God, obviously, and from others. And so you grow. And you contribute to the growth of others too, don't you? Ephesians, in our reading, in verse 11 <clears throat> 11 to 16 makes that clear if we read those verses again. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, uh, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that... We may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in its deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So that it builds itself up in love. Did you notice that? That it says that we are to grow, but then when we take our part, it makes the body grow. Did you see those two elements in the way that Paul was saying that? You know, this section of scripture is Paul talking to the church, to the local expression of the church. And Paul makes it clear. And there are other places in the New Testament. Recently, we just went through a whole series on, uh, for a short series actually, on, on 1 Peter. And we saw that how he encourages the body time and time again. He commands the body to love each other, to, to teach each other, and to encourage each other. And then there's a third way that growth occurs, isn't there? There's, there's you receive growth, you become a part of the growth of the community and the growth of people in the community. But the third way growth occurs is kingdom growth. God's calling to partners to grow ourselves, to grow others, and to grow the mission. And we know that the mission is the kingdom of God here on earth, isn't it? These three uniquely happen in the body when we choose to invest and to partner. Now there are lots of stages and phases in growth, isn't there? You know, you've got kids in, in, um, in 
kids' church, we have turbo kids, we have youth, we, we have uh, Sunday services. There's lots of ways and stages to growth. But in my, in my mind, there are three things that stand out that need to happen in every stage for growth. And um, those three things are you need to be planted, you need to be fed and nourished, and you need to bear fruit. A plant is a really good example of that. I'm not really good with plants, but it's a really good example. For it to develop and grow, for the plant to achieve its purpose, whether that purpose is to, to give you fruit to eat or to have a beautiful flower for you to look at, it needs to be planted. It needs to sink its roots into dirt, into good soil, even deeper. Then it needs to be fed and nourished. It needs to be watered. It needs the sun. It needs whatever you put in the soil and... and I'm showing you how I'm not such a gardener at the moment. You know, fertiliser and stuff like that. And then it needs to bear fruit. It needs to either show you a beautiful flower, it needs to pl uh, be a place where, where the birds of the air can build nests in, or it needs to provide fruit. It needs to do what God designed it to do, bear fruit. And human beings need, need the same thing, right? In order to grow well, a human needs to be planted it needs to be, a human needs to be in a context, and that context is most often, and God's design is family. A human being needs to grow, needs to be planted in a family, in a context. And, it needs, and a human needs to be fed and nourished. And that changes with the levels of maturity. And feeding and nourishment is not just food. It needs to be fed with uh, emotional encouragement, with education, with knowledge, with, uh, with self-worth, and all of those things. And any human being needs to bear fruit. Uh, humans are designed to give and contribute to family, contribute to society, to be a part of the world that they live in, contribute to the kingdom of God. And we would say that that's a healthy growth and a healthy trajectory for a human. If they were you know, planted in a family, they were being well fed and nourished and learning, and they were bearing fruit in their community, we would say that was good, and we would all want that for our kids, those of us that have children. In fact, we want that for everyone. And we know in our, in our world, unfortunately, that isn't always the case. But we know that that's the healthy growth. That you need to be planted, you need to be fed and nourished, and you need to bear fruit. Well, those are true as we commit and partner to the body of Christ. And this means that we need to be planted we need to sink roots, and that takes relationship. When, you, when you're looking at a local body, when you're looking at the body of Christ or the church that you're part of, you need to be planted. There's a commitment to this piece of dirt, this place in the sun or in the shade, this garden bed. We need to be planted. To grow, you have to stay there. If we keep uprooting a plant and moving it around, or if we take a human being, and we know that with children, we take them and move them around all the place... It doesn't do any good for their growth. The same is true when we are part of, when we commit to a local body. We need to be planted to move up, to uproot, to move around. It's not conducive to good growth. So we need to choose to be planted, to sort of say, and that's what Martin and Daniel are doing this morning, that we're going to plant here. This is where we're going to choose to be. And when you hang in there, growth happens. Growth happens through the good things. And sometimes growth happens through the not-so-good things as, as well, and we know that it's a part of life. Peter, in 2 Peter, uses the words that, as we're part of the body, uses the words, in increasing measure. 
it would be worth reading that. Let's have a look at that. In 2 Peter, I think you'll get a slide up there. Chapter 1, verses 3 to 8, he says this. He says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He's granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you might become partakers, partners of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours in increasing, and in other words, in increasing measure, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter talks about, he's talking to the body, to the church, and he spent a lot of time encouraging them, as we saw in 1 Peter, encouraging them to hang in there, uh, despite difficulties, despite the struggle, despite even disagreement with each other, despite disappointment. But he's saying, hang in there and continue to grow and add to your knowledge and add to those things and keep on growing in the knowledge of Christ. So, you have to be planted. Partnership is planting yourself. It also means in a local church community we need to be fed and nourished. And we need to do the same for each other. No plant grows if you don't water it. And some need more than water. They need... Anyway, you know that I'm not real good with that. They need the stuff that you buy in, the, in Bunnings, in that special section of Bunnings that you pour on the plants. The point is that the plant is dependent on being nourished and fed and watered, isn't it? If you don't nurture it, it will certainly not grow, and in fact, it might die, which probably reflects the way that I do plants a lot of the time. I could learn a lot. But it's the same for a human. You have to feed kids. Now I know that some of you out there who have got a lot of kids and young teenage boys are thinking, yeah, you're right, you've got to feed kids. But you've also got to nurture them, and not just food. And so we see that a plant is dependent on being fed and nurtured, and so is a human being. In the body, in the body of Christ, we are fed and nurtured. Again in our text, Paul says this in, in, in verse 11 and 12, <clears throat> as we go back. He says, let's go back to our Ephesians text where he says in verse 11 and 12, he says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. A healthy church is one where we're fed and where we're nurtured. We commit to it. Uh, we also seek to be used in our lives to, to nurture and to feed others. <clears throat> and there's something supernatural. In the body of Christ, there's something supernatural that comes with our commitment to being fed in the context of the body. That doesn't seem to be true outside of commitment. There's something supernatural about when we commit, when we say, yes, before God, this is what I'm going to do. There's something supernatural that happens. God himself feeds us, nourishes us, and grows us. God steps in, and he's the source of our growth. <clears throat> yep, verse 11 tells us that he also gave us um, evangelists and shepherds and prophets and teachers. 
And of course we'd expect it from our leaders and we'd expect it from people that teach us. And they play a part. But Paul helps us to see that it's God himself <clears throat> that ultimately grows us. And there's a great, um, he says in Corinthians, if we ever look in Corinthians, again it should be up there for you, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Paul helps us to see that it's God who's actually growing and building us. He's using leaders. He's using people around us when we commit to them, when we submit to them, when we submit to the body. But it's actually God. Now, you don't get that in other contexts. You get that that supernatural sense of God teaching us in the church. And that makes us dependent. Remember I talked about a plant being dependent on being fed and nourished and a, a human being. We become dependent on God. So to grow, we must be planted. We must be fed and nourished. And then the third one was, wasn't it? We must bear fruit. We contribute to the body's mission. To God's call, we increase in knowledge and we bear fruit. And Paul said in um, Colossians 1 verse 9 and 10, we just go over to there. <clears throat> and so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Did you see that link with bearing fruit and increasing in knowledge? And increasing knowledge makes you bear more fruit. Bearing fruit, increasing in knowledge. He links increasing knowledge and growth with bearing fruit. That those things are a natural part of our interaction with, the community, with God and our community, our faith community. A plant can bear fruit in two ways. The actual fruit you might pick or enjoy looking at, but also by reproducing and multiplying itself. Sending out spores or runners. And a great example of this, and I've got a picture of there, is how strawberry plants do that. They multiply themselves by sending out, and you should be able to see a picture of that, they send out spores and they plant. And that all becomes part of that one plant, part of that one community. They're continually trying to multiply themselves. As we bear fruit in the body, these things are features, aren't they? We bear fruit by living lives that honour God. And we bless each other, and bless others, sorry, by helping them to bear fruit. And we further the kingdom mission. We and others enjoy the fruit of our relationship with God. And we multiply by bringing others in to be planted and to become part of the kingdom. Our kingdom, where we are, maybe it's our church. We know like Daniel and, and Martin might become part of our church, but wherever God calls them. Wherever God calls them. Sometimes those spores go out far and it wouldn't be wouldn't be practical for them to be part of our community, but we want them to be planted, to be fed and nourished, and to be bearing fruit in a local community as we multiply the kingdom. 
So these three things, being planted, fed and nurtured and bearing fruit, are key in growing in the body. For these things to result in good growth, you need good soil, right? And you know, I don't know if you were thinking about that, you know, a plant, you put it into rotten soil or you put it into clay or, or whatever, it's not going to grow so well. You need good soil. And I'm reminded, I was reminded this week of the parable of the soils. And you might remember that one where the seed landed on the, on the hard ground and then it landed on the rocky ground so it couldn't really sink roots deep. Then it landed amongst the weeds where it kind of sunk roots but it was attacked by the weeds around it. And then the seed that landed on the good soil. And you might remember that parable. Not all soil is safe or good for growth, is it? Well, I'm here to say that I believe that One Hope Community Church is a place of growing and it's a safe place to grow because it's good soil. And I know I'm supposed to say that. I'm supposed to be biased. But I genuinely believe that One Hope is good soil. We know that the church isn't always perfect. We know that soil can and sometimes has impurities and needs to be tended to. But, and this is important, one hope is not good soil because we are good. We're theologically amazing or we have the best vision or we have the best leaders or we have no problems or we're without sin. One hope is not good soil because we are good. We're good soil because we recognize that God himself fertilizes and purifies us. And that's what makes us good soil. Growth only happens here because God intervened in One Hope. And he continues to intervene. Growth only happens at One Hope in this soil because it's God who brings the growth. And he continues to call us to that. That's healthy soil that we can grow in. So as partners, Martin and, and Daniel, or, or long-term partners, we can expect and we're supposed to desire to grow. Just as we commit to contributing to the same in those around us, in the community around us. And we're called to one hope. Actually, Martin and Daniel, and, and all new partners, and every partner, you know, Paul said that in, you know, in our Ephesians text, Paul said that, in verse 4. Did you see that? Verse 4 says, Therefore, uh, therefore is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope. That's a Dutch way of saying you were called to one hope. So even Paul knew that we were going to be as one hope, that you're called to one hope. But seriously, we're called to one hope, or wherever you've committed yourself, because God leads us, not because we like it. Not in the first instance because it's nice or they sing the greatest songs or they're the best looking church or it's casual because I can dress the way that I can or my kids can find their friends there. Those things are not unimportant. But in the first instance, that's not why we commit. We commit because it's a place that guides us, it protects and honours God and His reputation. And it's where we can, we can grow and where we can be used to grow others. And where we can be used to grow the kingdom of God more broadly. When you partner with One Hope or wherever you partner, you choose to have skin in the game. Not just watch from the sidelines, not just attend. We also know that the body of Christ is a gift. 
It's a gift of grace from God to us. Even when you don't always experience that as a gift of grace, it is. The local church is also a gift to the world. It's the expression of God's hope to a broken world. There's more on that to come. You know, I praise God for the invitation and the call to partner with Him and with each other to see God's kingdom grow. I encourage you to praise God for that. And I know that being part of any community, any church, any place where there's more than one human who, one human together is a place that can sometimes be challenging. But I was encouraged this week to think about the gift, the gift of grace the local church was. And in my instance, the gift of grace that one hope is to us all. And the way that God continues to use it. To know that God is committed to loving us and growing us as we do make that commitment. So as we talk about the local church, and I said this was going to be practical, we recognise that partnering in the church, it's a place of growing. It's a privilege to be able to do that, but it's also a call to do that in your own life and in the life of others. What a joy it is, what a privilege it is that we get to do that. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, um, <clears throat> we want to thank you, first of all, um, for you. We want to thank you, first of all, for what you did to establish your people here on earth. But what you did to claim us back as your people and then call us into communities to, to understand and to grow and to, to, to learn more and to, and to know more of who you are. How much you love us, how much you've done for us and how much, um, and how much you have in store for us. But we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you that that's expressed through your word. <clears throat> but look, we also want to thank you that it is, it's expressed through your community the local church that you've called us to. Lord, that each person in the body is a reflection of something of your character to me, to us. And that that's your gift to us. That's your gift to me. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for people that you continue to continually call to be part of the body One Hope, to grow us. Not to grow us in number, to grow us to be effective ministers of your grace to the world around us, whatever that looks like. And Lord, you've given us people with so many different gifts and talents and we praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, I pray that you continue to use me, that you continue to encourage me to step up, to have skin in the game and to partner with what you're doing through One Hope in this community. And I pray that you do that for each one of us. In Jesus' name.